know them and they follow me. Um, and it's very important that we hear the voice of the Lord. Now, you know, there's general principles that we have within the Logos, the Word of God. General principles are there. I mean, we've heard about tithing. Tithing is a general principle. Uh, some people say, oh, it's not in the New Testament. Well, it is in the New Testament. Um, Jesus says, you know, you've tithed the cumin and the, and the herbs, and, and you should have kept that. You should do that, he said to those Pharisees, and not left the other undone. Interesting. Now, people say then, I've had people say to me, oh, yeah, but that was before he established really the new covenant through the cross. <laughs> well, you know, you could go to the book of Hebrews and say, in this world, priests receive tithes. But I'm not going to study tithes today. But what I would like to say is that that's a principle that we believe. And, of course, the alternative is that you say, well, let's go to the book of Acts in the New Testament, where they give everything. So, <laughs> you know, 10% um, the tithe is, uh, is much less than everything. But I think that um, it's very important. Micah and I have been tithers um, as believers um, and it's so important. And I want to share this with you. The tithe, okay, if you give to charity, that's not tithing. Or if you support a ministry, a television ministry, as some of us do, uh, you know, that's not tithing. That's giving gifts. The tithe is very clearly to the storehouse, which is, in fact, the home assembly. That's, that's what tithing is. And it's interesting, when you do a study on that, you find different proportions. For example, um, there's a multiplication that you can enter into with, with finances. But if you were to give alms, for example, the Bible promises that you will receive those alms back. So that's a one-for-one -one exchange. It's interesting when you really study it. But I'm not going to go into that now. But it's a principle. Tithing is a principle. The richest man I know, um, who is a friend, he floated his company on the London Stock Exchange probably 20-odd years ago now, I think, probably 20-odd years ago, for $675 million. Yeah. And um, he was a trustee along with me of a church in London, St. John's Wood. And we would... And, but his testimony was that I said... How? Because he came from an ordinary family and he established the wealth through being led by the Holy Spirit. And also tithing. He said, I always tithed. Always tithed. He said, because he said, you can't outgive God. So it's very interesting. Um, and that then inspired me to make sure. I thought, well, I'll follow him. <laughs> what he's doing works and what he's doing is in the word. Amen. Um, so there's principles. One of the other principles is, of course, a very strong commitment to the local assembly. In generations gone by, everyone who belonged to the church would be at the church on Sunday. Now people think it's okay sometimes to go on a picnic and things instead of church. And, oh, well, we can have, I had one bloke, he, I think he was being a comical, he said, well, I can praise God just as well on the golf course. 
you know. But I believe in church. And I believe what the New Testament says when it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Now, can someone pass me one of those booklets that we've just produced, please? Um, the, 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 the latest booklet. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Hannah. So this booklet, okay, gives us the steps for living in faith every day. And it talks about these things. And this is why we produce this. And I would encourage everyone to take this away and have a look at it. On each page, you'll see the steps. On page one, it talks about living in faith every day means spending time every morning and evening, even if it's just a few minutes, to worship, pray, and study the Bible. Um, people say, well, yeah, but I want to spend more than that. Of course. We're not, we're not saying this is the maximum. We're saying this is the minimum so that we develop a rhythm for life of worship and, and prayer and study. And, and then it talks about serving the ministry of the church by discovering my gifts and talents, by developing a servant heart, by accepting the Bible as my foundation for life. Are you with me, everyone? Uh, so I want you to look at this and take this and, and have a look. That's why we've produced it, to get those foundations in place. And I've got to say it's a concern to me that that level of commitment isn't obvious in our society. Very often. It's strange. But we're living in strange times. And so you've got a choice to make, okay? Do you want to be a champion? Do you want to be someone who's establishing their life on the solid foundation of the word and church? You know? Or, you know, or one of those casual people who's just sort of, well, you know, we'll do it, you know. People say, you know, oh, I can have church in the house. No, you can't. Oh, some people shocked. You can worship the Lord in the house. You can... Um, have tremendous worship and study in the, in the house and you can praise in the house. But it's very clear in the scriptures that a church says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am also. That's talking about a legal, if you look at the context, it's talking about a legal position. And that was the Jewish legal position where things had to be established by either two or three witnesses. It's not talking about church as in the assembly. The assembly of a church gives us clues in the New Testament. What would there be? Well, there'd be an offering for one thing. It says in, in the scriptures. Are you with me, everyone? Yeah. I, I want you to share this with other people, okay? Because we're, some people are living in a dream world. And, and they really are in fantasy land. And they're going to have a shock. I believe that. I don't want that, but I believe that that's the case. Because the truth is that, in fact, we've been called to live. He says in the scripture, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is in the habit of some. And when it's talking about that, who's it, written, who's it talking about? It's talking about the church the body of believers who met in that geographical location and who recognized as that they had a relationship with one another. 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, of the, one of the things why people love to say, well, we have church in the house, whatever two or three are gathered, there, there I am also. That's what it says. The reason why they've conned themselves in thinking that that's church is that they can't be subjected to the discipline of a real church. Are you with me, everyone? Share it with your friends, please. Because what they've done is usually there's a sense, there's a rebellion going on there, something that's not right going on. And so what they want is they want to be free to do whatever they want, not be, you know, committed. And so what they'll do is they'll say, oh, well, you know, we're doing this. But it's outside of the New Testament government of church. But they're too ignorant to understand that the New Testament has a very clear government of church. One that includes authority for those and correction for those who are going wrong. They've placed themselves out of that place by saying, we're doing it our way, thank you very much. You can't correct them if they go wrong. They're outside of that. Are you with me? I could go on and list 10 clear reasons uh, why they've placed themselves out of the government of the church, but I'm not going to because we don't have time. But what I'm saying is there's a clear way for hearing what is of God and what's not of God. Church is one of those. Tithing is one of those, okay? But when it comes down to the particular things of God, the rhema of God, it gets so exciting for us to really hear from God. You know, the obvious things are there. You know, the points of the gospel, for example, we hear the gospel, don't we? I have sinned. You have sinned. God loves me. God loves you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. And the believer, and the believer comes into belief when he says, I believe that Jesus took the punishment that I deserve on the cross, and now I'm a child of God, and I will live forevermore in heaven when I leave this world. And it's good news. It's called the gospel. Amen? That's, that's an established and recognizable gospel message that's similar to the, to, to the Bible, similar to tithing. It's an established truth. But there are things that happen in the Christian walk that God wants to lead us in. You in particular. Everyone say this. God wants to lead me in particular. He's got plans for you that he hasn't got for me. There's gifts that you've got that I don't have. I don't know your sphere of influence, your friends and whoever it is that you associate with. I don't know them. But you know them. You're in a position to influence them. And God is calling us to listen to him. And when we listen to him, we have an opportunity then to be all that he's called us to be, do all that he's called us to do. And the Christian life gets to be an adventure of faith when we're listening to God. If you're not listening to God, it's boring, dead old religion. And I'm not interested. Although I'm slightly interested 
because what we could do is make up some tapes, advertise them in the Times, and say we found a cure for insomnia. And sell the tapes. £25 for a pack of four tapes, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Specific hearing from God is vitally important in the life of an authentic Christian. And in saying authentic, I'm differentiating between the religious observance and a heartfelt faith. Religious observance might hope to hear from God and hopes for heaven, but faith is certain that heaven is real and that they will hear from God for their lives. A believer must move then from hope into faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 teaches us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope can be a good starting point, though. I want to choose, I want to share four things here very quickly. Four points on the journey from hope to faith. Point number one, you choose to hope that you can receive in an area. Now, that area may be healing, a miracle, prosperity, direction, forgiveness, Love, work, but you've got to hope for something. I, I want to do that thing. I've got, I'm hoping for that to happen. I, I want that to happen in my life. I, and I'm, I've got to make a choice whether I'm prepared to hope for that thing. Many people have been brainwashed by their own negative thinking or other people's imposed thinking on them. And what I'm saying is the first point of this is this. Make sure that you are not limited by other people's negative views of you or your own negative views of yourself. God tells you because you're his child, all things are possible. You ought to be reacting in a better way than that. To all things are possible. <laughs> really, all things are possible. I mean, that's what he teaches us. So you choose to hope, first of all, for whatever it is that you need in life. The next thing that happens is that hope produces in us an expectation. So hope produces expectation in us, okay? This is the journey to faith now. Hope is different to faith. Hope is future. Faith is now. Faith is always present tense. And you need faith to receive. Believing you shall receive. So you've got to have faith. Hope won't get it done. Hope is a good thing, but it's part of the journey. You need faith to get it done. Faith will take and receive from God. Hope won't. Are you with me, everyone? Can you see why I'm teaching about this journey? So this is a very important journey. Hope, then, when we choose to hope for something, it produces an expectation in us. You start to hope 
you start anticipating, expecting, okay? And that initiates faith. It's the initiation part from where faith starts to be activated. And that produces opportunities. You dared to hope for something, okay? It's created an expectation in you, and watch what happens. There will be now opportunities arriving. You'll find this. You'll start believing. You'll start working towards something. You'll start an involvement in. Now, I'm going to share something with you which I don't think many of you are going to be able to understand. I'm sorry to say that. I wish that everyone would understand it. But for the few that can understand it, I'm going to say this right now, and I'll be brief. Inside of you, you have a GPS system. I haven't got the time to go into all the science behind this, but there is science in this, and that's been proved by, as fact. There's a type of GPS system in you. I'm writing a book at the moment on this called The Cybernetics of Faith. Cybernetics is the study of automated things or natural things that have automated sequences. So if this, if you do this, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. Are you with me? In a GPS system, if I was to type in from where we are in the car park, um, let's say Llandidno, uh, and if I typed in Llandidno, that GPS system, I have faith in it that it will take me to Llandidno. It will find a route to take me there. It somehow does it through satellites. And it's very clever, isn't it, how it works? Well, you're more clever. Much more clever. God put inside of you a type of GPS system. And what you dare to hope for, what you dare to believe for, is in fact programmed in your subconscious. Now I've got proof, many proofs. I'll give you simple ones just to prove it. Have you ever seen someone who's hypnotized? A hypnotist will get someone to come onto the stage. And I remember one time there was a very strong, muscular looking man and he came onto the stage and he had him uh, trying to lift a pencil. But he had told him that the pencil was impossible to lift. And do you know, do you think he could lift it, this man? He couldn't lift it. And then they had this man who wasn't able to lift very much. He just had uh, like spaghetti arms, you know. Just not very much muscle on them. And he wasn't used to lifting weights. He hadn't trained. Sometimes skinny people are very strong, but he wasn't. Um, and he could barely lift. And they tried testing him out to see how much he could lift. And it wasn't much at all. But he strained to lift whatever he could. But under hypnosis, they doubled it. And he could do it. Why? His inner GPS was employed to use strength that he was unaware of. Now, we have an inner GPS given to us by God. And that is programmed, set, 
as my GPS on the car is, I have to type it in, our GPS is set through the words that we speak. This is the truth. This is why Jesus teaches that if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain. You can speak to it and you can move that thing. And so God wants us, okay, to really be the people who shape our own destinies. Write our own tickets with God. Be people of faith who say, you know what? I'm going to be what God's called me to be. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to do it. And one of the measures of my growth is how much I'm yielding my mouth. How much do I yield my mouth? That's a measure for you to see how spiritual you are. If you want to know how spiritual someone is, listen to what they say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's very important what I'm sharing today. And we've looked at the choice, first of all, the choice that we have, okay? Then it's expectation. Then it's opportunities that will present themselves. And this leads to fulfilling the expectations Matthew 21, 22 says, believe and receive. But we'll fulfill those expectations through this inner GPS that we've been given. That's what happens. But you have to sometimes listen to what God is speaking to you to tune into that GPS as well. So you can program the GPS through the words that you speak. I can do all things through this anointing that I have on the inside of me. But also God speaks things that you wouldn't even think of to bless you with. And you need to be tuned into that GPS in order to get those. I'll give you an example, shall I? Um, many years ago, when we were on the front pages of the local newspaper here, um, and uh, newspapers around Britain. I don't know if you've seen it all on my booklet there. You may have seen the little booklet, and you see the front-page newspaper headlines. And that happened because of miracles that were taking place in the church. Wonderful things have happened, and they've continued to happen throughout the years. Um, God has touched people and healed people, and it's been inexplicable many, many times. It's defined, in, in fact, the doctors on repeated occasions. Uh, we just thank God for all that he's done. Amen. And we ended up on the front page of the newspaper with this positive, uh, you know, um, attention. The, the South Wales Evening Post, the Wigan Observer, for example. And at that time, I was invited to speak in various conferences as a result. And one of the groups that I was speaking to was in Calgary, where Micah's from, in uh, Alberta. And I was invited to speak to some stockbrokers and bankers. And so we went to this rather nice steak restaurant downstairs in this cellar where they had very expensive bottles of wine. 
I was given a very expensive bottle of wine. We've got a thousand pound bottle of wine. My, I was saving it for a special occasion. And then my mum came to babysit for us once. And um, she said, oh, I came, <laughs> I came home from this evening out. And she said, oh, she said, I hope you didn't mind. She said, I just fancied a bit of wine. She said, I, bought, I, I opened that bottle. I said, oh, no. <laughs> that was my special bottle from Canada. <laughs> anyway, um, these... Um, <laughs> She said, I'll get you another one. She said, I'll go to the cop tomorrow. <laughs> I said, thank you, mum. <laughs> anyway, I was speaking to this, these... Um, now, at the time, Michael and I were purchasing a house in Canada. And we spent all day choosing the wallpaper for this house and various other things and Micah had chosen some nice gold-color wallpaper for one of the rooms. And I was kind of reflected on this gold-color wallpaper. It's very interesting, you know, when they, the aesthetics of choosing wallpaper and furnishings and things. Very interesting how they do that. I find it fascinating. You know, if you go to a McDonald's, for example, people think it's throwaway. McDonald's is phenomenal in, the, in the, the way that they design the McDonald's. They have lighting on different levels. They divide the spaces up. I find it very interesting. Um, but anyway, we, we were choosing this gold wallpaper, you see, in the daytime. So when I went for my break and I went to the toilets for, uh, for um, wash my hands, uh, I was thinking about this, um, this wallpaper. And I sensed from God, this is the voice now, this is the inner voice that I'm talking about. I sensed that I should tell the man sitting on my right to purchase gold. Well, you know, when you've got a, a word, you sense it from God, you really need to be careful, you know. You can't, especially if you're the guest speaker, you, if you say something and it's irresponsible, you know, that, I'm not one of those who gives things out very easily. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of sloppiness in the church and it needs to be avoided, especially in our type of charismatic circles. And so I'm serious. I take those things seriously. I just don't throw away things. Like that. So I resisted it. But it was being pressed on me repeatedly. Tell him to buy gold. Tell him to buy gold. Well, I didn't know the man. I'd only just met him. So I turned to him and I said, I just... It's, it's being repressed on me. I think you should buy gold. So he said, oh, he said, that's very interesting. Anyway, I left it. And the, the following year, I'm invited to speak to those bankers and stockbrokers again. Down in Bankers Hall in Calgary City Centre. And so I went down and I saw this same man there. And he came up to me. He said, I bought gold last year because you had a word for me. He said, I've done very, very well for it. He said, I thank you for that word. He said, would you come out to my ranch? So Micah and I went out to his ranch. He said, I've got a lovely trophy room. You can see the trophies. Well, I, I've got golf trophies and chess trophies that I've won. And I was expecting a nice display cabinet, you know. But of course, when he talks about trophies as a hunter... We went into his basement, and oh, it was, he had a big, huge, like, museum of a basement, and it was filled with 
bears, wild animals, all sorts of things stuffed. That's what they call a trophy room. It was, it was very interesting. Um, but he took, he took us out and took me shooting and various things. But it was all because I'd had a word from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me at that time. As a, he, he was also a trader in the markets, you know. So he had a trading room. Now this is what happened. And I'm sharing this because something happened yesterday morning in this room connected to all this. I walked into the trading room of his house. As I walked in, the Lord said, uh, because you were obedient to this man, I am going to bless you. Just because I was obedient. Because I'd listened and because I'd spoke. You see, part of what God's doing on planet earth is through his church this is why i say about the church there's order you see and structure in the church that's where authority comes from uh, that's where power comes from if you have a church without any real power without any testimonies of power miracles it's it's really it's not a biblical church in the sense of the new testament i mean it's just the truth I mean, it's just, I mean, I would say it like this. If, and this is something to reflect on. Jesus says, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. And he says, they lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, if I went around the pastors in Great Britain and, and said to them, how many of you pastors lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Probably, I think we'd lose probably 75%. A lot of them wouldn't know where to begin. Bless them. If I then asked them, how many of you have cast out demons? I think we'd be down to 5%, probably. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? You see, I'm talking about faith now in the New Testament and a man called Jesus Christ which is very often different to the religion of Christianity. So I go into this room and the Lord says, because you've been obedient, I'm going to use you. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you, he says. I will bless you because you've been obedient and you've spoke this to this man. And he said he would bless me in those markets. I hadn't particularly any interest in that sort of thing. And, um, but I, so I didn't give it much mind. But then about five years ago, I'd started, a bit more than that, I'd started to sort of wonder about that. And I'd been asking the Lord if it was right for me to study it. And, and I'd started to study it and look at it. And I was in church on a Sunday, throughout at that time I would go to church in the mornings and I would pray and I'd seek the Lord and now I was going and I was looking at these charts and these trading charts from 8 o'clock when the British market opened and I wondered about it and I was starting to look at these charts in the morning and I, I was feeling guilty about it and I wondered well is this right Lord should I be doing this or, or, or shouldn't I 
would you would you please let me know? Um, I, I want to do the right thing. And I was in prayer in this in the church. It was the old church in Winstanley. And I, I, I say asking the Lord for um, whether I should be doing this or, or not. And He spoke to me, and He spoke to me from Ecclesiastes. This is what happened. I'm talking now about hearing from the Lord and how important it is to hear from God, okay? And how we should expect to hear from God. How we should hope to hear from God. How, in fact, Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. How we should be really listening to God every day of our lives for direction, wisdom. Well, you know, God, show me where I need to go, what I need to do. It could be about work. It could be about health. It could be about all sorts of things. But... I need your help. And so I said to them, Lord, should I be studying about these things? Is it right that I study these things in the morning? It would be more spiritual, probably to spend more time in prayer, more time in Bible study. Should I really be looking at those charts in the morning, Lord, and, and, and going down that path? Is that something that's really authentically from you, Lord? And I said, please speak to me from your word. I had a sense that he was going to speak to me from the Bible. I was pacing up and down, praying in the old church. And I said, so speak to me. Show me, Lord. Well, sh should I be doing this in the morning, Lord? And he said, go on, pick the Bible up and I'll speak to you. I, I heard him say that. As, as I did that, the Bible fell open on these words, in the morning, sow thy seed, and in the evening, withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether thou shalt prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be good. Isn't that amazing? I've just asked God for what should I be doing in the morning? Is it right that I look at those charts? Is it right that I do this? Is this really from you, Lord? Am I being carnal? Am I doing this uh, the wrong thing? There's insecurities there. So I seek the Lord and he answers me with a very specific word. Now, look, this was a rhema word to me, okay? Don't go away and think, oh, well, I'm going to open up the Bible and I'll see. No, 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 no. That was God's rhema word to me. He told me to open up the Bible, that he would speak to me with the Bible. What's the chances that I could open up the Bible at that page? Isn't that remarkable? I mean, that's exciting. That's God speaking. Well, guess what? All these years later, I was still, I've still been studying that, and I've taken a few courses now, and I've done a few things, and I have what they call a, uh, this demo account. And it's not been particularly good. It's a tricky thing, those things, you know. They're very tricky. But I've held in my mind what God said, you see. And if God speaks something, you have to take it seriously. So I've held it in my mind. And so I've been putting a bit more time into studying and a little bit more time into those courses, and, a, and an expectation has been growing. But yesterday, as I was on my own here in the morning, praying before the day, um, I was saying to the Lord, please, Lord, 
would you speak to me again? Because I really want to make sure that I'm not going astray with these things and that I'm not really, you know, going wrong on this. Please speak to me, Father. And this Bible was here. This was about nine o'clock yesterday morning, I guess. And I picked the Bible up and I said, Lord, Lord, I know you spoke to me in the past, Lord, but what should I do? Please, Lord, speak to me. And I open up the Bible. And what's the chances? It's on the same words again. It just flopped open. And it's the same words again. I mean, that is just remarkable. In the morning, sow thy seed. And in the evening, withhold not thine hand. And what I'm saying to you is this. God loves you. You are so precious to God. He really does love you. If you cut yourself, you heal. You don't have to strain to heal. God's done, designed us in such a way that we heal. And, and that's because he loves us so much. You're precious to him. The Bible says he knows the hairs on our head. And, and what I'm saying is this, because he loves us so much, he wants to speak to us and he wants us to listen. He wants us to be open to listen to him. If we need jobs, if we need work, if we need things, hey, he wants us to spend time with him, to go say, I'm going to God with this. I'm going to spend time with God. And you're going to find that as a beautiful, loving, heavenly father, he will direct you as to what you need to do next. And he will bless your life because he loves you. You're so precious before him. Are you with me this morning, everyone? Press into God. Press into God. Give God time. Give him your time. Give him your best. Let him have his way. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, what you've got to do, first of all, is to choose to hope. Choose to hope. Dare to hope. Choose to say, well, if, if God's done it for him, God will do it for me. God will direct me. God will help me. God will bless me. And, and then you make that choice. That's a choice. And, and then move to a, move to a quality decision. A quality decision that you'll say, you know what? I will receive from God. I'm in faith. I know that God loves me. I know that he has plans for my life. I know that he's going to lead me. And I will receive from him. I'm not going to be a victim in life. I'm going to be a success story in life. He's got plans for me and my family. And when people ask me, how did it happen? I'll say, well, I followed the voice of the living God who loves me and gave me direction so that all the glory goes to him. All the glory goes to him. And I'm talking not about uh, physical things necessarily. It can involve physical things. But I'm talking about leading people to Jesus. Helping people. You know, we heard about ticking earlier. 
the International Christian Church Network. Remarkable things are happening there. Um, ministries that I oversee, you know, um, Bishop Michael is, has been in France this week. His book is now a bestseller in France, speaking to thousands of people in France about the book and on TV and all sorts of things. And Reverend Christopher, who came up to visit me last week, he's been in France this week at one of the um, Olympic um, uh, Games uh, initial meetings that they've been having. He's one of the chaplains there and he's leading a team of chaplains. It's remarkable what's happening through the network that we oversee from this place. Isn't it tremendous? I just think it's marvelous what God's doing. Um, tomorrow I'll be speaking with a man in Texas. 80 churches they have in Texas. They want to join the network. They want us to partner with them in a water scheme in Malawi. And I'll be speaking to one of our ministers about going over there and having a part in the, in the water scheme. You know, we've had drills over there, drilling the holes. We've had doctors over there providing medicine and care and purchasing land and dealing with the government. And it's been wonderful to see what God's been doing. But you see, what I'm saying is, We've heard earlier with Louise and that wonderful project that she's initiated. What I'm saying is this. You are God's mouth. You're his hands when you're yielded to his voice. So he speaks in and through us. Praise his name. Amen. Let's stand together, everyone.